Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. Milk and Honey, Part 5. We're learning about the substance and the sweetness of the story of the Bible. And this is sort of how we've been mapping out the story. It's in sort of three stages. We've got uh, creation and commission. Do we have that slide? The story. Is there someone back there? Yeah, sweet. (laughs) Creation and commission and then rebellion and redemption, and then new creation, and then commission again. So far, we've looked at creation and commission. God created everything. He spoke it into existence, and then he sent us as his image bearers into the world to be fruitful, to multiply, and have authority on the earth. But then there was a rebellion, and we looked at the rebellion. We looked at the heavenly rebellion. We looked at the human rebellion. And then last week, we looked at the combined rebellion. And now the story is going to take a turn. We're going to now look at the story of redemption. And this is going to occupy the majority of the Bible. If you notice, we're in Genesis chapter 12, and already half of these things have gone down. And we're only 11 chapters in. And so now from Genesis 12 all the way through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we're going to look at the story of redemption. God's plan to win back, to bring back that which was lost through rebellion. And so tonight we're going to look at the story of redemption. We're going to be introduced to a character that will be an an important piece for the rest of the Bible. His name is Abram or Abraham. And we'll see how he is the first part of the story of redemption. Okay, so this is like we're starting to speed up now into the story. We're, we're like we've we've met the characters, uh, we've seen sort of what's going on, and now you're like episode three, episode four, you're like hooked. You know what I'm saying? Like usually, it, it, the if you follow like a, a Netflix series or something, it's like usually like episode one is like kind of going, and then at the very end, there's something like whoa. Okay, I'm going to come back to episode two. Episode two is usually probably like the best one. And then they kind of get safe after that. Like three, four. That's a horrible illustration because that's not really what happens in the Bible. Um, but you know what I'm saying. We're, we're like settled in now to the story. All right, we're going to look at this story in three parts. We're going to move pretty quick. We're going to talk about the calling. We're going to talk about the covenant. And then we're going to talk about the confirmation. That's sort of how this story is going to be broken up. The calling covenant and then the confirmation sound good like my alliteration yeah all about it amen do you guys know what alliteration is it's it's all the t's and c's amen all right point number one the calling genesis chapter 12 beginning in verse one now the story prior was the tower of babel that happens in genesis 11 that's sort of where the story ends God scatters, God disinherits, all of this happens. We follow a lineage, and we get to this character named Abram. And it says this, Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord has said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Okay, so far in the story, we've seen God as an infinite God. We met him in the beginning, and in the beginning, God was waiting. Right? Everything started, God was already there. 
Everyone else was late to the party. (laughs) In the beginning, there was God, and he spoke all things into existence. He exists outside of time. He spoke all things into existence. He created humanity. We were told of the story that he flooded the earth due to disobedience and impurity. We've seen God as an infinite God. But not only is God an infinite God, he is also an intimate God. And in this story, we, we encounter for the very first time this intimate, this personal God. Not only does he exist above the heavens, not only at his very word, at his very breath, do stars hang in their place and do the oceans settle where they go. Not only in God's uh, uh, speaking can he create humanity and cause them to be fruitful and multiply. Not only in his omnipotence and his power can he judge the world of sin and disobedience, but also he shows up to an individual. He's an intimate God. He's outside of time, and yet he inserts himself into the very story of humanity to reveal who he is and his plan for the world. And in this story, God reveals himself personally to a man named Abram. And he chooses Abram to be his person, his chosen person that would, that would uh, be his people, that would bring a blessing to all the worlds. Remember last week we saw that God scattered and disinherited the nation, and now he's choosing for himself one nation. And the interesting thing about the nation that God chooses is that it's a nation that doesn't exist. Right, so he scatters all of the people. We're told that there's a, they go all over the place and that there's actual nations. There's people groups. There's, there, there, there's family lines. And then we even read of, uh, of Abraham's or Abram's family line and then it ends abruptly at Abram. His story ends here because he's 75 years old and he has no children. And yet here God is, he chooses a nation that doesn't exist. He's an individual man with his wife, 75 years old, has no kids, and he's an idol worshiper living in southern Iraq. This is the character. And yet, this is the person that God chooses. This is the one that God reveals himself to. Why? Well, because God has a plan. And even when it doesn't make sense, or even when we can't see what God's doing, that doesn't mean he isn't doing something. All of a sudden, God shows up on the scene. He chooses Abram, this idol worship in Iraq. He says, you're my guy. I'm going to use you to to be a nation and to bless the nation. Well, I don't have any kids. I'm not a king. I'm not a leader. I'm not a a military power or strength. I'm just an old man with my wife and no kids. And yet God shows up to make Abraham a promise. Now notice the promise. This is it sort of in four parts. It's to leave, be changed, receive a blessing, and be a blessing. That's the promise. Okay, I'm calling you out to leave, to be changed, to receive a blessing, and then be a blessing. He tells them to leave. Leave your home and go to a place that I will show you. Leave your friends, sell your house, quit your job, say goodbye to your family, And go to a place that I will show you. The second thing he tells him to be changed. He says, you don't have any kids. You're going to be changed into the father of a nation. Right now, you're nobody. You're Abram living in Iraq with no kids. You will be the father of a nation. Be changed. And then he says, receive a blessing. He says, I'm going to bless you. Your name's going to be great. 
People are going to know who you are. And I'm going to bless you with favor, with, with possessions, with goodness, and with, uh, uh, with recognition. And then he tells them to be a blessing. And he says that through this nation that will come, all the nations on earth will be blessed. Now, similar to this, our calling is the same. God calls us to leave our old life. When you meet Jesus, he calls you out of your sin, out of disobedience, out of self. He says, okay, that's got to go. You got to leave that. Listen, for some of you, as you walk with Jesus, you need to understand that there's things that need to be left behind. Some of you are trying to walk with God, but you're holding on to old stuff, old habits, old relationships, uh, old decision-making, and you need to understand that in order for you to fully walk in the things that God has for you, there's some stuff that has to go. You got to leave. I can't be in this relationship anymore. Why? Well, because they're not following Jesus. I'm new. It's a new life. I can't hang out with this group anymore. Why? Because they're doing these things. I'm called out into something different. There are things I have to leave in order to step into what God has for me. And in order for you to fulfill what God is calling you to fulfill, there's some things that got to go. The second thing he says, you got to be changed. You got to be changed. You're going to be given a new name and a new identity. God calls us to be changed. We're a new creation in Christ Jesus to walk in the ways of God and to daily submit to his work in our lives. And then thirdly, the promise is to receive a blessing. God wants to bless your life, to give us a future and a hope. Now, don't think of blessing as like health, wealth, and a bunch of followers on Instagram. Like that's not the idea of blessing. Blessings from God is his favor, meaning he is for you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. His blessing is contentment in whatever situation you find yourself in. Right? That means I can, I can have a bunch or I can have nothing and I'm content. Why? Because I have all that I need in Christ. Blessing isn't always determined or, or, or set up by material things. Blessing is about receiving what God gives to us. To receive a blessing, and then this is why we receive a blessing, to be a blessing. Right? God says to Abraham, I'm going to call you out. I'm going to change your name. I'm going to bless you. Why? So all the nations on the earth can be blessed. Now time, and as the story unfolds, we'll see exactly how God intends to do that. It's going to take a very, very long time for that to happen. But spoiler alert, like we're standing in the fulfillment of that blessing. We're standing because of Jesus, because of salvation, all the nations on the earth are blessed. But we receive a blessing so that we can be a blessing. Everything God gives to you is meant to flow through you. So the peace that you receive is not just so you have peace. The joy that you get is not just so you're happy. You receive peace so you can be a peacemaker. You receive joy so that you can bring joy to other people's circumstances. You have hope so that you can be a source of hope for somebody else. Okay, that's the calling. Abraham was called to leave, to be changed, to receive a blessing, and to be a blessing. The second thing is the covenant. What's exactly this going to look like? Uh, flip over to Genesis chapter 15, a couple pages or a couple scrolls. Genesis 15, it says this. After these things... The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram, I am your shield. 
your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what, you will, what will you give me, seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. In other words, it's not my kid, but it's a part of my household. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to them, so shall your descendants be. And listen to this verse. And he, Abram, believed in the Lord and God accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of the Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? Okay, so from this time, more years pass, and God doesn't give Abram a child. In chapter 17, we won't read it, but it happens in chapter 17, God doubles down on the promise. Okay, up until this point, God shows up and he says, hey, I'm going to make you a great nation. Then he shows up in chapter 15 and he says, actually, I'm going to give you descendants more than you can count. He takes them out, and I imagine that scene like kind of like, it's very interesting how this whole thing would have played out. But their God was in some sort of visible manifestation before Abram. He takes him outside, out of his tent. He points up to the stars and he goes, start counting. One, two, three. I wonder how many like God let him get to. 575, 10,002. Like, count them if you're able to. And then he, and then he, he interrupts them. He says, more than the stars in the sky, you're going to have descendants from, from your own body. You're going to have children. Then God shows up again in chapter 17. He is yet to fulfill the promise, and he changes his name literally from Abram to Abraham. Now, Abram, it means, it means exalted father. That's what the name means. Okay, so little Abram was born. And they looked at him as a, as a little baby, and they're like, oh, he's so cute. What are we going to name him? And his dad's like, exalted father. Okay, that's interesting. And then Abraham lives. He grows up. He gets married. He doesn't have any kids. He gets old. He doesn't have any kids. Hey, what's your name? My name's exalted father. Do you have any kids? Nope. All right, Cool. God says, I'm gonna, you're going to have descendants. Then God shows up again and changes his name from Abram, exalted father, to Abraham, which basically means the father of the nations. So he like doubles down. Not only are you an exalted father, you can be an exalted father and have like one kid. But he's like, you're going to be the father. Your name is father of many, father of multitudes, father of nations is the idea. And he establishes this covenant with Abram. Now, time passes again. At this point, when God shows up, Abram is, is like 99 years old. He shows up for the first time, Abram's 75. Hey, you're going to be a father. For 25 years nearly, he waits. No promise fulfilled. Almost 25 years have passed. God has blessed Abram up to this point. He's wealthy. He lives in a land. Uh, he doesn't own any land, but he lives in a land. He's, he's, he's got uh, uh, a big sort of tribe. He's got warriors that work for him. Like, God's blessed him. 
but the problem hasn't the promise hasn't been fulfilled he still has no kids and so far the promise has only come from God but there's been participation only from Abraham what I mean by that is God shows up and make a promise but he doesn't like prove the promise in any way and then he shows up again and says okay you're going to be uh, 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 the father of a nation, and then he establishes a covenant through circumcision, and Abraham has to participate in that. And so there's this action from Abraham in faith. We're told that Abraham believed God and accounted him for righteousness, and through action that he actually had to take a step of faith. So God's made promises to Abraham. Abraham chooses to believe, and yet God hasn't done anything yet to show that he's going to do those things. All he has is his word, right? All he has is God showing up and saying, hey, I'm going to do this. And Abraham has to just live. And we're told, amazingly, that Abraham had faith. And I think the application for us is in the same way as we walk by faith, not by sight, right? Like, we don't have to have, like, everything going in order for us to believe it. Like, God can say, you, have pe- you can have peace. And maybe you're feeling anxious, like, well, I don't have it. Does that mean God's word isn't true? No, no, it means that we have to trust God that he's going to provide what he says. And we have to learn to walk with him through whatever we're walking through. I wonder what promises God has made for you that you have to believe and act upon before it comes about. Maybe it's peace, maybe it's purpose, maybe that there's community or family. You've got to believe and you have to act. This is Abram. He's heard it. He's believing it, and yet nothing's happened. Then the final thing, point number three, is we see the confirmation. Flip over to chapter 21 now. So God shows up. He picks him in southern Iraq. He's an idol worshiper. He says, you're going to be the father of the nation. You don't have any kids, and you're old. But it's going to happen. Then God shows up again to confirm the calling, and Abraham believes him, and he obeys him. He he steps out in faith. Okay, I trust you, God. I believe it's going to happen. And we're told that that counted for righteousness for Abraham. Now we're going to see God fulfill the promise. Verse 1 of chapter 21. And the Lord visited Sarah, that's Abraham's wife, and as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son when he's eight years old, as God had commanded him. So here we have God showing up and giving Abraham and Sarah a son. God keeps his word. But the promise isn't fulfilled. The promise is that he would be the father of a nation and he would possess a land. And neither of those things happened. Abraham had one son, and the only plot of land that he owned was his grave. And those promises will never be fulfilled in Abraham's lifetime. He's going to die with one kid, and his plot of land is going to be where they bury him. That's his legacy when he dies. That's what he has when he exits this earth, and he steps into eternity. But the son was the proof that God's promise would be fulfilled. He can trust God for the future because he was faithful in the past. He can trust that God's going to do all that he said because he's been faithful to do what he's already said. 
And so he can trust, okay, God, I'm going I'm to die without you fulfilling the totality of the promise, yet I trust that you will fill it. Why? Because look at what you've done. You've called me out. You've changed my name. You've brought me to a land. You've given me a son. And so I can trust that you're going to do what you said you're going to do because of what you've already done. God is redeeming humanity. That's the point, right? God establishes a relationship. He creates image bearers. He has a relationship with them. They break it because of free will, because of disobedience, because of deception. They break it. And now God, okay, I'm going to continue my plan. It's going to take a little bit longer, but I'm going to redeem humanity back to myself. How does he do it? Well, he chooses one person to show his glory and his goodness to. What's God's plan for redeeming humanity? He chooses one person to show his glory and his goodness to. And this will begin to push back the kingdoms of darkness by establishing a kingdom of light through him. And listen to me, God does the same thing now. He's redeeming humanity. How? By choosing individuals to be the light of the world and to share the hope of Jesus Christ. God wants to redeem your family. How? By choosing one person in it to be sold out for God. God's placed you in a family. Maybe you're here tonight and none of your family knows Jesus. And it's so easy for me like, man, God, would you just show my dad how good you are or, or show my sibling? Listen, he's shown you and he's placed you in that family and now you are to bring the gospel into your family. He wants to redeem your school. How? By sending one student that will show the love of Christ and do all things for his glory. How is God going to transform Vero Beach High School or, or, or Charter or, or Gifford or Storm Grove or wherever it is you go by sending you to it? With the hope of the gospel, being the light of the world, to say, I can follow Jesus. And even if I never see it in my lifetime, I'm going to plant a seed and I'm going to begin a legacy. He wants to redeem your hope. Maybe you feel broken and lost and confused and hurting and you're like, I don't know if I, can't, if I can go on. He wants to redeem your hope. How? By helping you see that your life is bigger than yourself and he's created you on purpose for a purpose. How does he redeem your hope? Well, by showing, by zooming out and going, actually, your life matters. Why? Because you're a part of the kingdom of God. And that is God's plan. The church is God's plan to redeem and restore the earth. And he's put you in it. And he said, you have a hope, you've got a message, you've got a calling, you've got a gospel. Go and be a part of it. In the same way, God chooses one person. Okay. I just imagine, like, this, it's just such an amazing scene. All of this wickedness, the flood and Tower of Babel and crazy stuff is going on. We talk about Nephilim and all sorts of weird stuff. Okay, God, what are you going to do now? Abraham. A 99-year-old dude. You're going to be the father of a nation. A hundred-year-old dude. Okay, there's your son. Let's get to work. And now through this, and we'll follow some of the important characters as we move through the story, but through this family, through this guy, God, little by little, <laughs> is redeeming the earth back to himself. Ultimately through his son, Jesus, who would be the, the, the fulfillment of this promise so that all people could have a re restored and right relationship with God. God pushes back 
He redeems once again the hope for humanity by choosing one person. I just want to encourage you tonight as we start, as this is our back to school night, as you're going back to a new season and a new semester, how does God want to transform our community by choosing one person? And I just want to encourage you, be that person. Be that one person. Okay, even if nobody else around you says, I'm going to do it, be that person. I'm going to be like Abraham. I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to leave the old life, the old stuff, the old, the old relationships. I'm going to allow God to change me day by day by his grace. I'm going to receive his blessing, his goodness, his peace, his purpose, the identity, all that he promises me so that I can bring that into the world around me.